welcome. Fern, big news. Best hour of their day programming is live. We are currently on Sugar Wad coming out on Wadify any day now. What's the reaction been from the people that have signed up for our free trials? It's been good. So a lot of people have uh, questions. A lot of people are looking at it. I think there's been some questions that it seems like there's uh, less in the programming. And that's because uh, they are, in fact, correct. There is less in the programming because go back and listen to our previous episode about do less better. That is the whole point. Um, and I do want to say that if there was a hierarchy of programming, lesson planning, and coaching, programming would be at the bottom. Lesson planning would be on top of that and coaching would be at the top. Um, so I think people need to understand that is like your lesson plan is only as good as your ability to facilitate said lesson plan. Outside of that, it's just words on paper. Well, and I've said it before about programming itself. It doesn't matter. Even shitty CrossFit programming works if done right. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're putting out the best programming to balance gymnastics and monostructural and weightlifting or to be in all three metabolic pathways consistently and varied, but it's how you execute that game plan. You could do Fran literally every single day, but if you coach it and run a good timeline, your members are going to get fitter. Yeah. People are going to get fit. Like I've got, if you want to look at all the PRs in my gym, every time we do a heavy lifting day, it's like 30 every single time we do that. So like people are going to get fit. They're going to get faster all of those things that that actually shouldn't be your worry. I think far too many people are concerned about that when that is going to happen purely by accident. Like if you just put a bunch of crap in a bucket and pulled it out randomly, that would probably happen. I mean, that's the hopper model. It's not ideal, but it would probably happen. That is far less important than you having a lesson plan. And then that's less important than your ability to actually execute lesson plan and actually coach athletes. Like that is the most important thing, right? So when you're looking at, lesson planning and programming it's not like ooh, this is a good workout they're all good workouts if that's if that's what you're looking at then you need to look at it through a different lens what you need to look at is like can i effectively coach people can i get people muscle ups or dumbbell owners that don't have them can i get people to move better that's what matters the rest of that crap does literally does not matter like there we've we've got 20 years of experience to to back that up like it doesn't matter what matters is your ability to coach well, and then what's what's funny about workouts is it, it's hard to find and, and spotlight the good workouts because all decent workouts are good. Like it's what's more apparent is shitty workouts. Those are pretty easy to, to pick out. Like they take five minutes to explain. They take a, an entire sheet of loose leaf paper to write out. Like that's a dumb workout. Like it, it, it should be fairly simple. Simple is generally always better. So, so we've got best hour of their day programming. It's currently out on SugarWad. If you're listening to this, you can head over to SugarWad and you can check out a free sample. It'll be out on Wadify within a week. We're one of the very few programs out there that appear on multiple membership software systems, SugarWad and Wadify. And if you want, you can reach out. We're happy to talk to you about it. You can email us at besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or DM us over on our Instagram. But we're really excited about it. And you know, this topic, today's topic really lends itself to that, what you just said, that hierarchy. We're coaching us to be at the forefront because we got this question a few times and we're going to address it now. How do we handle those stubborn, those shitty, those athletes that don't want to listen? And sometimes it's because they think they're hot shit. 
Sometimes it's just because they're really bad at accepting feedback. And we're going to dive into that right now. I sometimes I feel bad when people ask that question now at level one and level two courses, when they say, do you have a problem with athletes that do X, Y, or Z? And the reality is currently, no, I do not have that problem. And I have not had that problem for years to be quite frank with you. And it's not because I'm a wizard. It's because there's certain things built into the class and the structure and how things are taught and how the classes flow and the checks and balances that are put into the lesson plan to make sure that those things don't happen. So this is the, this is the age old question of, you know, the question always comes up. If an athlete didn't scale right and they're in the middle of the workout, should I change the weight on the bar? And it's like, okay. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but if the building's on fire, that's like saying, should I call the fire department? Yes. That should happen. That's a foregone conclusion, but that's the wrong question. Why is the building on fire? That's the more important question. And if you don't know that, then that's a problem. So the question is like, why does that athlete have a weight on the bar in the middle of the workout that we can assume is 30 to 35 minutes into your lesson plan that they should not have? What did not happen prior to that to, to make sure that that did not unfold? That's the right question. Not should I take the weight off the bar? Yes, call the fire department. Your building is burning down. That is the appropriate thing to do. Well, yeah, and it's kind of as you're saying that to me, what I hear is if you're even thinking about it, the answer is yes. There's no like, well, my building's kind of on fire. What should I do? No different than, well, this guy's kind of moving crappy. Like if you're thinking to yourself, should I be changing this weight? The answer is almost always. Yes, you should be addressing it. But like you said, how did we get here? That's the problem. So when people reach out to us, you know, in the past, and, and you've worked with Chuck Carswell enough, he would always have Chuck Church every Sunday morning at a level one, and he would always default questions to you or me or whoever he's working with. And there would always be a female on staff, say it was Jenny, and he'd be like, Jenny, um, you know, he asks this question every weekend, but he pretends like it's his first time thinking of it. Uh, Jenny, so... As a smaller girl, do you ever have any issues training, you know, bigger, stronger, fit men? And, and you know, but that's a real question, not just for mm -hmm. females. It's questions for me as a smaller man. It's questions for newer coaches who don't have the confidence. It's questions for coaches that have the confidence, but maybe their athletes are fitter than them. Nothing wrong with that. So the answer is, how do you deal with that? How do you address it from a female perspective or from a, I'm not as fit as my athlete's perspective. I think there's probably three major things that you could do. And the first one is you have to master the whiteboard brief. You have to brief it effectively. You have to tell people and paint a picture what should be happening. Guys, this is an eight to 12 minute workout, which means the first round of this should be unbroken. Uh, if we do break it, it's maximum of two sets, right? I've just painted a pretty clear picture. If your first round takes you more than three minutes, we've made a mistake. That is wrong. We need to make a change. Okay. So now I've laid the groundwork for what should and should not happen. So then in my warmups, I should be giving people the ability to load. I should be taking people through a progression that will highlight what people should and should not be doing, whether it is a high skill gymnastics movement that they're going to do 
that movement, but less volume, or they're not going to do that movement, even though they want to, they want to do handstand pushups, but they want to do them with six ab mats to reduce the range of motion. So that they're moving one quarter of an inch, but they're upside down doing handstand pushups and air quotes. That's not a handstand pushup. That's me flexing one degree at the elbow and then extending it. And then thirdly, put a test round into your lesson plan. Like you should test a half round or something that takes about 60 to 90 seconds to highlight and verify A, what you went over in your lesson plan and B, what you covered in the whiteboard brief. So those three things all layer on top of each other, but they all illustrate what should happen. And if I'm doing that, I can always refer back. To, so if I get to the test round and somebody's making a bad decision, I can refer back to the previous other two things that I did. I can refer back to, remember when we were doing that in the progression and that part of the progression was really, really hard for you? That's what I want you to do. And if they're there and like, remember when I told you that that uh, set of barbell, whatever it is, should be unbroken? Well, you did five singles just now. Take the weight off of the bar. Because I told you one round should take three minutes. And at this point, you're already behind. So those are the big things, but people are not doing that. That's the problem. So a couple of things you mentioned is one, in our best hour of their day program, we do have those. I like to refer to it as the wad buildup. You can see a yeah. lot of what goes on, you know, but you do in Fran, you know, we throw Fran out there all the time, but you do in Fran, you know, maybe it's a set of nine thrusters, nine pull-ups. And th that's a wad buildup, or maybe it's a, you know, five, three, one, you know, five thrusters, five pull-ups, three and three, one on one, just to find the lay of the land. So we're making sure people aren't gonna, you know, trip over each other. They're not all running to the same pull-up bar, but also to check the form and check to see what it looks like. If you can't do those five, three and one lightning fast, we already know you're biting off more than you can chew. You have the confidence. We all know you're a division one basketball player. You know, you played at just about the highest level possible. So you have this confidence and air about you that not every coach has. How do you tell a coach who's newer or didn't have the athletic prowess that a young Jason Fernandez had in his adolescence on, on the confidence? And I love how you're just stone facing me on my jokes about you today. Those, those aren't jokes. Those are factually correct. <laughs> the, uh, so it ha I don't, I think it has less to do with, so yes, I do have that confidence because I have experience. However, when this generally goes arise because people walked in with no plan in every single one of those scenarios that I've talked about, when I, when I start asking questions, clarifying what is actually happening, did you do X? Did you do Y? Did you do any of those things? The answer is no. So there's no preparation on the front end. So even if you don't have, you know, however many hours of coaching, if you walk in and you know the stimulus of the workout, you've written a lesson plan that maybe you can or can't facilitate, honestly doesn't matter. And you know what that test round or that wide buildup should look like and you get those in, you're still significantly better armed to get that athlete to come off the ledge. And straight up, if you do those three things, nine times out of 10, the athlete will make the decision for you. Like, I don't even have to tell them that because if I'm reinforcing what should happen, what should happen, what should happen, and they're continually not doing what should happen, they're going to come to the conclusion themselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, the issue is, is typically in 
dealing with athletes that are just, they think they know more than you, right? You know, you're a newer coach. This athlete's been coming to your box for three years. Why should I listen to you? So like you're saying, it's, it's all in that presentation. It's all in how you present it at the whiteboard. And also just showing them like people are going to bite off more than they can chew. Always going to happen. Having that conversation with them after class to talk about that. Yeah. And again, like it's one of these things where people are going to bite off more than they can shoot, but they're far less likely to, if you can check a couple different boxes, like you have to clearly illustrate what's supposed to happen. You have to take them through some sort of progression that illustrates that they either can or cannot do that. And you can just come up with some hard lines, which is you're not going to do handstand pushups if you need anything more than one ab map. Like I just made a hard rule, like right there, like whatever it is. And they're like, why would you just do Go ahead. Role play with me. I'm the guy. I got three hand, I got three ab mats, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing Diane. It's handstand pushups and deadlifts. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm ready to go, coach. Why are you using three ab mats? Uh, Just because I, you know, that's what it takes for me to to go full range of motion. Do you ever want to do a full handstand pushup? Well, this is pretty good, right? No, it's not. You're so, and this is understanding that this is understanding that if I'm ever going to get full range of motion, doing partial range of motion will not get me there. Yeah, and that's why I purposely said that out there, right? Because that was kind of like your go to. Well, this isn't full range of motion, this is your current full range of motion, but it's not the full range of motion of a, of a handstand push up. And then you can make that analogy hey, when you squat, do you try to get your ass below parallel or do you stop halfway? Well, clearly I go all the way down. Why? Because that's the squat. Well, that's a handstand push-up. Yeah, because that's how you get stronger. So if you want to do that, let's do something else. Let's do something that you really struggle to do full range of motion on. Because again, if it's difficult, it's difficult, right? Like they want it to be hard. Like that's the thing, right? They want it to be hard. So I can make it hard without getting you inverted. Maybe have, a, have you do some seated strict dumbbell presses. Yeah, or there's nothing wrong with saying, cool, we're going to go down to one map, but you're only going to do nine reps. Yeah, that's fine, right? And I'm, Or however many reps get you out of here in 30 to 45 seconds. Like, that's fine. But I want you to struggle. I want you to understand. I want you to realize how weak you are in those positions, and then you'll agree with me. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, coaching shitty athletes really comes down to having that confidence and knowledge. And it's everything we've talked about in the past and, and even on this episode, right? It doesn't matter what the programming is, but with that proper timeline, I've now had the time to address, hey, this is the stimulus of the workout. Here are some scaling options to preserve that stimulus. I'm going to take you through this teaching progression. And like you've said, and it's kind of taken off with a life of its own Fern's analogy of dropping people off at the bus stops, right? One of the, that's probably your greatest claim to fame is is that analogy. So, you know, hey, you're stuck here. You're stuck here. You're stuck here. Keep moving on. And now we've had all of this time because of that timeline to actually coach our asses off. And if you want, so like for that person, let's use the ad map because we were there. If you want to, if you want to create your own progression or your own bus stops that involves starting the whole class with six ad mats, and then you slowly take away an ad mat from everybody and do reps and you watch these people fall apart as they get to one ab mat again now i've just kind of illustrated my point but they've gotten to go through and i've got to highlight where it is that they're stuck and where it is that they struggle so it's again 
generally these issues come from lack of preparation. I cannot think of very many of them where this came about and somebody actually had a full-fledged plan that had contingencies where they they knew this person was going to be there and they kind of pre-planned some of their their backup plans for if so and so does x I'm going to do y. Like if you know they're your problem athlete and you didn't think about that beforehand, you have nobody to blame but yourself. So, let's look at a few different scenarios. That's obviously one. It's pretty obvious. Hey, I told you you can't use more than one AMAT. You have six. We need to figure out this disagreement that we're having. Now, mm-hmm. let's, let's go to another scenario, which is you've briefed the, af- the athlete. You've briefed the workout. It calls for 225 deadlifts for Diane. And, and you've said, let's see, if I were coaching Diane, I'd say, hey, you should be able to do this unbroken. If you choose to stop once on the 21s, I'll accept it. But you should be able to go unbroken. We're, you know, and, and that goes for all rounds. And then we're on the round of 15 and your athletes literally pulling singles, dropping the bar, hands on their knees between reps. How, where does that conversation happen in the workout? How does it happen? And what outcome are you looking for? Is this assuming we've done, is assuming we did like a wad build up in a test round? Yeah, you know, because some people can fake it. Maybe they have the strength for that wad buildup or maybe they, they happen to sneak past us. Or maybe when we had the wad buildup, they had 185 on. We didn't realize they quickly slapped on some 15s and 5s to bump that up to 225. I have a problem with all of these scenarios. Well, the, the, you, the problem <laughs> in that you don't think it would actually happen or the problem I, I, is... Well, yeah, I think that's a problem with just lack of paying attention, right? Like that's when you should be most... That's when your senses should be most acute is during the test round. Because this is when I'm going to get to talk to people, right? So if it's 225, I should be pretty capable of, of looking at a barbell and knowing the difference between 225 and 185. Even if they went the old route of they did nothing but 10s on the side, like, and they went that ridiculousness. The, and what I'm going to do in that test round, for, the, for, for a test round, I'm going to say 10 reps unbroken. And when I brief the workout, I'm going to tell them maximum of two sets on the deadlift, which means you need to be able to do either do 10 and 11 or 11 and 10 or 15 and six or something like that. And I'm going to know when they drop the bar at five and do five and five. And, and I can tell them, be like, listen, if you want to do that in the workout, that's fine. But right now you're going to show me 10 or 11 unbroken, but if that's not your plan, I get it. But right now you're going to verify that that actually can be done. Um, and then probably the same thing for the handstand pushups two, maybe three sets for the handstand pushups. I'll probably give a little bit different parameters for that. Now, if, if the world is ending, right? So we've lost cabin pressure, right? People need oxygen masks at this point in mid-workout. We're in flight. Things have gone wrong. You need to make the change, right? So it's one of those things where it's like, don't ride a bad idea. If it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. It's not, that's not going to get any better in the round of nine. So if they're falling apart, one of two things needs to happen. The weight needs to come down on the barbell so that they can stick to the two to three sets on the deadlift. And I may need to shave some reps on the handstand pushups and be like, you're not going to do 21, 15, nine. Maybe they're through the 21 and they're in the middle of 15. You're just going to be like, you're going to do nine handstand pushups this round. And next round, you're going to do six. I'm just changing it right there on the fly. The reality is they want to be saved. They do. Even if they, even if they pretend they don't, they want to be saved and they're not going to argue with you at length mid-workout as they're 
getting pummeled. Like it's just not going to happen. So let's take one more scenario. Now we, we've, we've fixed that person. Now the other scenario is you're just coaching. Maybe it's not during the workout, you know, and we see this a lot. You're offering a cue or, or here's a good one. Take your feet wider. No, no, no. This is where I squat. Take your feet wider. But I'm comfortable here. This is where I squat. You want to squat more weight? I saw a video of Kelly Surrett, and he says, feet together, pointing forward. Number one, he did not say that. Number two, widen up your stance. You know, but point is you get that. And I think we get this question a lot, and we wanted to address it. And it's really just (coughs) – Okay. So you're I got still dying over there, by the way. You still, you better. No, yet? no, I'm on. I'm on. The, I'm on the back end of the plague. The so here's a perfect way to answer that, right? So we 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 talked about this yesterday in our mentor group on our call. Go back, go to the CrossFit.com, go into the search function where that little magnifying glass is, and type in anatomy of levers. Okay, and I believe it is anatomy anatomy of levers n- number six or seven. So these people that want to squat narrow need to understand that there is a science, right? So all movements, the points of performance for all the movements are based on three things. Functionality, mechanical advantage, and safety. And we're talking about movements. There's a lever in basically every movement that we do. When they squat with the stance narrow, meaning it's minimum hip width, if not narrower, this changes the lever and the lever angle of the squat, making it more difficult. So we know that if I go narrow in my stance, in order to break parallel hip crease below knee, because putting my hips between my feet is not available to me because my stance is narrow, they have to go farther back than they would normally go, right? So now I've therefore changed the lever of this movement. And this can in in many ways be illustrated with uh, uh, profile pictures of low bar versus high bar back squat, okay? When they change the lever, that changes the force required to move the same load. So do a little homework, anatomy of levers. All those articles are very short. You could read all seven of them in less than an hour. Okay. But understand that like, if you widen up your stance to create a different position, this changes the lever and you'll be stronger. And as long as it's not painful, then just move your feet out. And my recommendation to people And I talk about this every single week in the level one and level two. When you are changing stance and grip, you should not change it any more than one finger width at a time because people will not do it. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's like, hey, I'm not asking for uh, this complete change from a narrow stance to a sumo stance. I'm just saying, hey, can you step out an inch? Let's test that. But I think what I'm hearing from you is going back to all of this on coaching troubled athletes or coaching hard to reach athletes or coaching shitty athletes however you want to look at it it comes down to confidence and it comes down to knowledge because everything that you just threw out there it'd be very hard to argue with if i was the athlete the problem is if you're just like take your feet wider now i like it here why should i well because i think you should that's a very different conversation than hey well when you look at levers if you're wider it allows you to have a more advantageous position keeps you safer allows you to move more load and it's really just having that confidence yeah this is what todd Whitman told me at the last summit when i was giving feedback he was like hey leave your opinion out of it nobody cares that's your opinion like if you can't back it up with something objective 
when we're talking about what is a good squat stance, well, I'm not interested if you just think it looks good. I'm interested, do I have neutral spine? Are the weight in the heels? Is there a good line of action? Is hip crease below the knee? And are the knees tracking the toe? And if it's a barbell involved, where is the barbell relative to the frontal plane? Like those are all things that are 100% objective. Like they all have a very measurable pieces to them. So the, again, like it sounds like we're beating people over the head, but we kind of are like if these problems arise because you're not prepared, you've not done the homework on the front end, you've either not nerded out on levers or you didn't write a lesson plan or you did write a lesson plan and you blew it and you couldn't get the test round in. So therefore you didn't get to verify that Bob, who's got 405 loaded on the barbell because he wants to do this hero workout, even though his one rep max is 315. That's our fault for being unprepared for these scenarios. Yeah, I think, you know, I want to see, touch on two of those things. One, at level ones and level twos every weekend, people ask us those questions. And my response is, the points of performance don't lie. Always refer back to the points of performance. You want to squat with your feet that close? Go for it. Show me your knees tracking. Show me your weight in your heels. Show me that neutral spine, the depth, etc. But the other thing I want to address on this and really tie in a bow on this episode is sometimes you guys reach out to us and you, I think what you want is this like very black and white, this very tangible, this action item to do list. And it's not always that simple. In fact, I think it's actually sim more simple. It's easier. Hey, have a plan and be smart about this shit. And if you do that, a lot of these questions you ask us, which we're happy to answer, don't get me wrong. Fern and I can talk about this stuff for hours. But really what it comes down to is have that knowledge, have that confidence, and be prepared. I, I've always made this joke with my coaches, and I'm like, you know what helps you avoid all of these problems? Being right. And in order to be right, I have to do my homework beforehand. I have to be able to speak authoritatively. I have to have like read the articles about the anatomy of levers so that when somebody's like, no, 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 squatting with your heels touching is the way to go. And I'm like, not based on science, but listen, if you want to say that, that's cool. But again, that's now your opinion and that's not how this works. Um, you know, and, and obviously you can do all of this with some tact, right? It's not like a head on fight, right? Like this, these are all things that you can, that you can do like in passing. But again, you have to have a plan. You have to know that you're going to have these athletes who are going to deal with this. You have to know that in this workout, this is something people are probably going to try to bite off more than they can chew when I look at it and understanding the stimulus of it. So I'm going to be prepared for that. And I'm going to emphasize it a little bit more when I give the wad brief so that when we do the test round, 50% of the class is like, Oh my God, you were right. And I'm like, yes, I was. And I'll take weight off the bar. And they're like, yeah, got it. And an easier solution is go on SugarWad, go on Wattify, purchase the best hour of their day programming, because we take all of this out of the equation for you. We're going to help teach you how to be right. We're going to teach you this knowledge. We're going to teach you the you know, non-negotiables that Fern was just talking about on the points of performance, on, on all of these things. And you're going to go into your class with a game plan. You're going to go into a class with more confidence. And you're going to have less pushback from your athletes if you're having that. So, so check it out. SugarWad, Wattify, the best hour of their day programming. Anything else to add on this, Fern? No. Um, you know, the goal is to teach people how to fish. Again, it's not about, not so much about the lesson plans. Uh, it's about your ability to execute a lesson plan. Uh, and there have been some questions about if people are not on Wattify or SugarWad. That's fine. 
um, in very short order, probably like by March at the very latest. If you want it, we'll give it to you um, via another format. We'll just send it to you via PDF every month and you can have the programming and all the lesson planning and stuff. So it's not just for people on those two platforms. It's literally for anybody who wants to be able to run a better class and start developing their coaches. Yeah, and if you have questions, like I said, shoot us an email. Fern will get back to you because he's the man with the plan on all this stuff. And it's really exciting. And it's great to hear the feedback we're getting from the boxes that have just started with us. It's only been out for, for, for a week or so, but they're already loving it. Their members are appreciating it. Their members are noticing a difference in their coaches because if you're a box owner and you have a big staff, this is how you develop them without spending the time, effort, and energy on them. You give them some great programming done by one of the best in the industry, and you're going to have a better community. You're going to have a better box. You're going to have higher retention because of it. Of course, we're very biased, but I promise you, it's some of the best programming out there. Not because of the programming. Like Fern said, the programming doesn't matter. Just so happens we do some great workouts, but it's all about those timelines, and it's all about the knowledge that we give you going into those classes. So check it out. Email us. Shoot us a DM if you have any questions. But hopefully that helps you coach those shitty athletes out there. Go at it, be confident, and have fun. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day, and thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback we are grateful and we appreciate it we are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself and it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you so if you haven't already please subscribe to our youtube channel season one of dropping in is out we are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out leave us a comment on there head over to our instagram give us a follow like our pictures, feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.